Welcome to the Encounter Christian Church Message Podcast, where we bring you the latest messages from our Sunday services. To find out more about Encounter, or to plan your visit with us, you can find us online at www.encounter.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome to Church Online. Wherever you're listening or watching from, whether it's an office or bedroom or lounge room, it's great to have you with us today. We pray that God speaks to you. This is the third week of our For God So Love series. And uh, this week's message is a part A, and next week will be the part B. And I've entitled the message that I preached about a year ago when I first came to this church, which is the basis of this message, Flourish in All Seasons. And and I had someone in the last week say to me, I remember that message you preached and it really spoke to me. And, and I thought about it for the next six to 10 months. You know, I was in a really dark valley and it really God spoke to me over that season because of that one message. And I thought, wow, you know, that's encouraging. So I went and, and read over that message and thought, man, there's some really powerful truths in there. And I believe that in this season, that as a church, and as a community that we're going through, that, that the basis of that message really uh, resonates. And I really feel God wants to speak to some people people here. He's speaking to me through it. And uh, just to recap on last week, we spoke about different seasons and, and we spoke about that, you know, there's summer and there's winter and there's autumn and spring. And, and when we're in that summer season, it's hot. We think it's going to be hot forever. Same with winter. When we're in winter and it's freezing cold, we, we think, oh, it's going to be like this forever. And so it is when we're going through a valley or a storm or, 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 or a trial or whatever we're going through, we, we often think this is going to last forever, but it doesn't. They're just seasons. And the key to going through a season into a new season is it's just constantly being connected to the source of life, to be connected to Jesus. If we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. If we're reading his word and we're listening to his Holy Spirit, and we're praying, we're, we're connected to the Spirit, then that's what's going to get us through in and out of the different seasons of life. And our key scripture is John 3.16 for this series. And uh, if you could read it with me, if you've got a Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. See, God loved us in our worst state. You know, when you do something great or someone wins a, a race, or there's, there's a reward for like good works. But Jesus came not as a reward. He came as God's most prized possession. In our worst state, when we were ignorant of ourselves and our sin, God saw us and loved us and sent us his highly prized son to die for us. You know, when somebody's hurt you or been unfaithful or betrayed you or lied or, or maybe stolen from you, and you still choose to love them in their worst state, in, in the state that they really hurt you, when you choose to love them anyway, maybe a teenager is off the rails or a child that's off the rails and you love them in their worst state, well, that's, that's real love, and, and God loved you and me in our worst state. You know, he sent his son to, to build a new friendship with him, and he sent Jesus basically on a rescue mission. That's what the scripture is about, a rescue mission to save you from yourself and from your sin and, and to give you life. Now, my first point today is your circumstances don't reflect God's favour, not flavour, even though it says taste and see the Lord is good. It doesn't reflect God's favour or not. So whether you're going through a bad trial or, or, or a valley or something right now in your life, it doesn't necessarily mean that God's angry with you and, and, and you've done off the rails in any way. And, and so our, our, our circumstances, good and bad, can happen to us and it's not a necessary reflection on God. And we know that because Jesus, who is God's only son that he sent, the Bible tells us was righteous. 
tells us he was fully God, fully man. He was, he was the perfect person. He was deity. He came and, and healed. He raised the dead. He did miracles and signs and walked on water and stopped storms. And yet him being good and perfect in every way, he experienced bad. He was seen as an evildoer. Society put him on a cross. So the cross basically was a, it was a death penalty, like the electric chair is today in the US. And he was deemed an evildoer to society and was crucified, was put to death. This is the perfect person, received bad for you. Yet in the same scenario, we see Barabbas, who was a murderer, insurrectionist, who was bad, but he got released and he received good. And neither of those two things is a reflection of God's favour or not really. I mean, I guess for Barabbas you could say it's God's favour and that God's grace led him off. But, but Jesus was in God's perfect will. The will of God himself was that Jesus, it was prophesied that he would be crucified and tortured and rise again on the third day for you and I's sins. So Jesus went through a bad experience in the perfect plan of God. And we see that so many times in the Bible. You could be going through some difficult circumstances right now and they could be a reflection of some of the consequences of the decisions you've made. If, if God's had you on a path going this way, following his call, and you've gone off and said, hey, I'm going to live according to my way. I'm going to live according to my will, according to my flesh, my desires, what I want. And you might be overwhelmed and going through some really difficult uh, period of your life. Well, that could be a reflection of your poor decisions. That can happen. But also, you could be going through a really hellish experience, maybe a storm of some type, and you're in the perfect plan of God, and God wants you just to keep going through the storm. Because, you know, there are, there are things that just happen to us where we've just got to walk in hope and we've got to walk in faith. It says in Romans 8.13, For if you live by according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live. So if we live according to our will and ourself, then, yeah, there are going to be consequences that are going to be because of that. They're not going to be um, because God's doing it. It's just a consequence of what's happened to you. But, you know, there's other people who are going to be righteous and you're walking right with God and in his will and stuff is going to happen just like Jesus. And we've got to keep walking in faith and walking in hope through that difficult time. And there's different people in the Bible that had to go through really unfavorable conditions as a part of God's perfect plan. You know, for example, we have, we have Joseph and we have Job and Moses and David and Daniel's in the lion's den and all these people were righteous people doing the call of God and laying their lives down for him and following his will and they went through trials and tribulations. So following his will, you will face difficulties as well. But those people in the Bible were people just like you and people like me. They did extraordinary things but they were just ordinary, imperfect human beings, frail human beings who simply made God their rock. They made Jesus their fortress and their hope, even in the difficult circumstances. You know, it's easy to look at those people having seen the before, the miracle, the promise, the reward, and, and they're on the other side. We look back and think, well, amazing heroes of faith. What amazing kind of people. But if you were on the other side of the scale before they actually had the victory, and you would be in their shoes. You would be in a period of darkness and despair and fear and hopelessness. But they just chose to push through those things and put their trust in God, put their hope in God, put their eyes on him, and they made him their rock. And he got them through the other side, and that is what made them a hero 
of the faith. Just as you might be going through that trial or storm right now, if you keep going, you on the other side will be a hero of faith. See, these people in many ways disqualified themselves. They were imperfect. They, they mucked up. They made poor decisions. They, they, they were not perfect in any way, but they were just people that submitted their will and their desires and their ways to God's will and his ways and trusted in him. They didn't rely on things or people. They relied on Jesus. Galatians 2.20 says this, if you can read with me. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, there's this whole theme that I'm bringing through in this series, and you might pick up on it. It's, it's about not following our flesh. It's not about seeking my will and what I want and my desires, but it's your ways are not my ways as the heavens are above the earth. And, and what is your will, God? And the more and to the degree, and I've said it before, that we can put to death our flesh and our will and that we can lay what we want to death at the foot of his cross and take up his will, the more the power of his resurrection will be there to cause us to do great and mighty things and get through the season we're in. And I'm going to look at some examples of these people in the Bible that had very unfavorable conditions and could have given up thinking, I'm out of the will of God, what's gone wrong? Or, or people might have been judging them saying, hey, look what's happening around their life. They must have some issues in their life. But these people were just normal people that were walking through some storms that were God's will and God's plan. And they came out the other side and we look at them in victory and as examples to us. We have Abraham. Abraham was a liar. He lied about Sarah being his wife, she, he said she was my sister, half-truth. It's his half-sister. And he also was too old to have children, but God still gave him a child, even in his weakness and his frailty of, of being beyond the age. And then Sarah, his wife, couldn't, of course, couldn't have children. And she was seen by society as cursed. If you couldn't have a child, you were seen as cursed. So she's walking around for 90% of her life feeling cursed, having people look at her and judge her and point the finger and say, look at her, look what she did, look, who she, she's cursed, she can't have a child. And then she got too old to even have a child, but she kept in hope believing. And in the end of the day, they had their miracle child and now they're heroes of faith. Jacob, one of their descendants, was seen as a dodgy kind of guy who was a bit fraudulent. And maybe you and I know some business people who are like a bit dodgy on the edges, but God can take those character flaws of dodginess and, and he turned Jacob into a prince with God, changed his name to Israel and blessed him. We see Joseph who ends up in prison, judged by society as not good for society, needs to be locked up. And he was, he was tarnished with the name of rapist, even though he hadn't raped anyone. He had a stigma over him and rumours were going around about him. And here he is in prison for like 15 to 20 years. You would think, surely he's out of the will of God. He's in prison. Surely it's not God's will that someone be in prison. But he was in God's perfect will and he becomes prime minister of Egypt and he delivers his nation and his family from a famine. Then we have Noah, like crazy story of Noah. He gets his whole family together and they're building this giant boat called an ark for something called rain that no one knew anything about. And people were looking at this kind of commune of like Waco, Texas, Noah and his, his sons and daughters are working on this boat, this ark. And people laughing at him, you're a crazy man and what are you doing? And this went on for years and years and years, but yet he became a vehicle of salvation for humanity and for creation and for animals. And then we find Moses. Moses was a prince in Egypt, part of the royal family. He murdered an Egyptian and he got exiled 
away from his people, away from his country, into the wilderness. And he's in the wilderness for 40 years. He's, he's not in the limelight of all the parties of Egypt and, and the who's who's list of, 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 of who's climbing up the ladder. But here he is on the backside of the desert where nobody even knows him and he's completely forgotten about. He joins up with another tribe of people and marries into it. And yet God has an encounter with him. And, and turns him into a man that, that wants to serve him. He didn't want to serve God at first. He's like, I've got to stutter. His will wasn't willing, but God has spoke to him. And he submitted his will, God's will. And he becomes the great deliverer of the Israelites from Egypt. You know, he might have been nervous even going back to Egypt. Like, God, don't call me back to that place. Those people are talking about me there. They're going to remember me. They're going to say, what's happened in 40 years? Oh, I'm a shepherd. Oh, you've really done it. You've really made it with your life, Moses. You know? He could have been in fear that they were going to torture him, put him in prison again. But out of faith and obedience and submitting his will to God's will, he went back to Egypt. We've also got Deborah in the Bible. Deborah led the Israelites into battle and won and and she was a woman. And in that day, women weren't seen as leaders or, or to be listened to. And so she had this liability in her own mind and a liability maybe to the people that were following her. But she chose not to look at herself and her, her inadequacies and who she was, but chose to look at the God that had called her and said, he's able to make me ready. He's able to change me. He's able to have people follow me or follow his will. Then we've got another guy called Gideon. I've got a few people who we're going to go to. Gideon is, is fearful and he's pressing, he's, he's in the wine press and uh, he's preparing the wheat because he's in fear of the Midianites. And he said to himself, I'm the weakest of my father's house and my father's house is the weakest of all the tribes of Israel. What could we do? An angel appears to him and says, you mighty man of valor, you will set your people free from the Midianites. And he sets the people free from the Midianites. Then we've got another guy in the Bible, Samson. You know, he had some real character flaws. He was quite disrespectful to his family, to his parents, and he was really a ladies' man. He loved chasing the women and, you know, he, he, you know, he's not really that likable kind of a character. And, but yet God used him despite his weaknesses and his character flaws and gave him this supernatural strength and he delivered the Israelites from the Philistines. Then we have this woman in the Bible. Her name's Ruth. She was an immigrant. She wasn't even an Israelite. She was a Gentile. She was unclean. And maybe you are from another country today and you, you don't feel like you belong. Well, Ruth went back to Israel and joined herself to Israel. Her husband was an Israelite and he died. And so she has the loss and the death of her husband. And she chooses to, to go back to Israel and join with the Israelites, even though she wasn't one. She ends up marrying this guy called Boaz, who, who was wealthy and was respected. And Ruth becomes the mother of Jesse, Jesse, the father of King David. And from, from, the, from the ancestry of David, there's Jesus Christ. So Ruth is a relative of Jesus Christ and of David himself. And she could have thought, I'm unworthy. I'm not even a Jew. I'm not even clean. I'm, I'm unclean to them, you know, in her mind. But God can use anybody when we're willing to submit our will to his will. Then we have this guy in the Bible called Samuel. Samuel wasn't even supposed to be born. His mother, Hannah, again, couldn't have children. And, and she was seen as cursed by society. And she's getting ridiculed by her husband's other wife. He had two wives and she was being mocked and, and she was in despair year after year because she couldn't produce a child. And she goes to the temple 
She pours her heart out before Almighty God and brings her prayer request. And Eli, the priest, even thought she was drunk and kind of ridiculed. And she said, no, my Lord, I'm just praying to God in bitterness of soul. I want a son. And, And God gives her a son. And she gives that son to the temple just as God gave his son to this world. She gave Samuel to the temple to serve him. He grows up to become the greatest prophet and one of the greatest judges of all of Israel. And, and he also anoints David as king. And David was an unlikely king. When Samuel comes to anoint a new king at the house of Jesse, David wasn't even considered worthy to even be at the feast. This big gathering would have been once a year gathering. He wasn't even counted as a candidate. He didn't look like a king. He, he didn't have the credentials that he could be a king. And he's out with the sheepfolds. But in the end, he comes He's called and they anoint him as king. Maybe you don't look like leadership material, but that God doesn't look at the outside. He looks at your heart. Maybe you don't have it together and have all the degrees and have the qualifications, but God looks at the heart. He calls whoever chooses and whoever's willing to lay their life down. Then we have his son Sam, um, Solomon. You know, Solomon became king at a young age and all around him he had all his father's expert warriors. His father was a warrior. But Solomon wasn't a warrior. He, he wasn't a man of the outdoors. He wasn't a tradie. He wasn't a person of the land. He, he, he was more of a diplomat. He was more of a, a student, a studier, and he felt, would have felt out of place with these warriors. He probably was worried they were going to have a coup because he was an easy target. He was quite vulnerable. And in his weakness and in his inexperience, he came before God and he prayed and said, God, give me the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that I would lead this great people, that I would be able to govern them properly. God said, hey, because you've not asked for wealth or fame, I'm going to give you the wisdom that you'll lead these people and I'm also going to give you the wealth and fame. And he becomes known as the wisest man that ever lived. And during his time, Israel prospered financially and geographically in every way. Why? Because in his vulnerability and in his weakness and in his inexperience, in his storm and in his fear, he came before God and laid his heart and his will. We have another guy, Jeremiah. God said, I've called you as a prophet to speak to the nations. And Jeremiah was a teenager. He says, hey, Lord, I'm, hey, I'm just a boy. I'm too young. God says, don't look at your youth. Don't say that. Don't look at yourself and say you're too young. Don't look at yourself and say I'm too old. Don't look at yourself and say, hey, I'm a woman or I'm, 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 I'm this or I'm that or I'm, I'm not from the right family or the ancestry or the right qualifications because when God calls you, you have to obey and submit your will. Then we have this guy called Haggai. God called him to marry a prophet, asked him to marry a a prophet, a prostitute, sorry, a prostitute. How would you be? Surely this is not the will of God. You're asking me to marry a prostitute. He was obedient and submitted his will and did what God said. And we have the book of Haggai in the Bible. And again, we have the the, the great story that we read of the whale and, and Jonah. See, Jonah, God called him to go to this place called Nineveh. And see, he didn't want to go for a real reason. The Ninevites were barbaric savages. They would attack the Israelites. They would rape and kill the women. They would cut the pregnant women open with the babies. They were ruthless. They were a cruel group of people. And he knew if he went and he preached repentance and the the, the Ninevites repented, then God would forgive because he's gracious and loving. He's like, if I don't go, they're not going to repent and then God will destroy them. And at least they won't be able to hurt the Israelites. Say, he ran from the call of God. He ran from the will of God because he made a decision in his own judgment that they should die and they shouldn't have grace. He thought he knew better than the will of God and he wasn't going to submit his will. So he ran and hid from the face of God. 
He ends up in a situation where he's in the whale and it's like he came to his senses. You know, have you tried to run from God before? Have you tried to run from God's purposes and God's call? Jonah did. It's like the prodigal son. He ran far away from his home, ends up in the pig pen, just as Jonah ended up in the whale's belly, to points where you go, what have I done? How did I get here? I need to go back to the call of God. I need to go back to obedience and submit myself to his will, no matter what the consequences are, which is what the prodigal son did and Jonah and the Ninevites repented. We also have this woman in the Bible called Esther who was an orphan. And Esther would have started life like on the back foot. Her parents weren't around and she was like an add-on to her uncle's home. And so she was starting life almost one step behind everyone else but ends up becoming a queen, the queen of Babylon. And then we have the Bible, New Testament. We have Peter, James and John, you know, uneducated fishermen. Why would Jesus not pick academics? Why would he not pick educated people? Why would he not pick people who have been to Bible college? He chose fishermen who had never studied God's word and turned them into world changers. We even have one of them, Peter, at the cross, denies Jesus three times. I don't know who you are. You know, the Bible says if we deny Christ, then he'll deny us before the Father. Peter denied Christ. He backslid. How could God use him? But see, when you come back to God in humility and in repentance, as Peter did, then God's forgiveness is there to reach out. When he convicts you and you repent in humility, he reaches out and just covers you in his love and restores your life. And Peter goes on to do great and mighty things. And then we have Paul, murderer, killing Christians and Jews and has an encounter with God and his life is changed. And he writes three quarters of the New Testament, but all through his life, he had unfavorable conditions. He's in and out of prison and being beaten and tortured and persecuted. But he was in God's perfect plan. See, the circumstances that you and I might be going through are not a reflection of our righteousness. They're not a reflection of God's favor or disfavor. They could actually mean you're in his perfect plan and you've got to go through the storm as long as your heart is submitted to his will and to his way and you haven't gone off track. Because if you've gone off track and stepped out of his will and his path, his will and path haven't changed. You've changed position. You need to get back and get in alignment with that path for his will and blessing to come past on your life. If you've moved, it's not God. You need to get back in God's alignment and make things right. And the last couple we have, we have Mark, the book of Mark in the Bible. And, and Mark was a guy who couldn't hack it. He was with Paul and he couldn't cope. And he ran away and went back home and, and ran away from the call. But Mark comes back and Paul says, bring Mark, he's of use to me. And we have the gospel of Mark. Mark got on the horse again. Got, Mark got up and preached again. Mark had a second comeback. Mark was given another chance by God and he took it. He took, if you get another chance, don't waste it. You get another chance, grab it by the horns. And then Timothy in the Bible, my last one, he was a half-blood. He was half-Jewish and half-Gentile. He didn't fit in the Gentile world and he was rejected in the, in, in the Jewish world. And he had the stigma in the Jewish circle that he hung out with that he was unclean. Can you imagine the social stigma and, and race issues that he faced and credibility issues that, that he would have faced? But despite those things, he didn't look at his inadequacies, that he wasn't enough, but he looked to the God that he served, that he was willing to serve. Can you see that these people, I've, I've painted this to, to show you that these people are people just like you and people like me. 
They, they weren't extraordinary people. They served an extraordinary God. And that God caused them to flourish in all seasons because they chose to tap into his well. They chose to submit their will and their ways to God's ways. They chose to go through the storm, to hang in there when things weren't going great, knowing that they served a God that was their rock, was their shelter, that would be with them no matter what happened, that he would get them through the other side and that the circumstances were not a reflection of their doing something wrong, but maybe a test that God had them going through to strengthen them, to empower them, to give them more faith, more hope. See, God loved us while we were sinners. In our worst state, he loved you and he loved me. And he said his most prized possession, Jesus, to die for you and me. You know, when we've done, someone's done something bad to us. You know, it's, it's a time when if we continue to love them in their worst state, we're showing true love, that they really care about you. See, the Father loves you and gave you his son in your worst state to have friendship with you. Jesus was on a risk, rescue mission to save you from yourself, from your sin, and to give you life. Your circumstances are not a reflection necessarily of God's favour or not. It could be a reflection that you've made some bold decisions or walked away from him, but it could very well be that you're in his perfect plan. So don't give up hope. All these extraordinary people we look up to in the Bible were just ordinary, imperfect, frail, failed humans who made God their rock, their fortress, their bright, bold hope. They had many reasons to say they were disqualified and they should just give up and they're not good enough and why would God use me? But they chose to rely not on things and people but in God Almighty that he was able to make them ready. He was able to perfect them and he was able to do what he does best. See, God's purpose is that you would flourish in every season. Whatever you're going through today, can I encourage you to hold on, to make God your rock, let him be your fortress. Let him be the thing you trust in the most and that you look to with your eyes, not the things that you see around you or the voices that you're telling you, all these negative things. Keep your eyes on him, the author and the finisher of your faith. Church, if you're comfortable, if you could close your eyes, wherever you are right now, I'd love to pray for you. Jesus, I just pray for every person, Father, every circumstance that anyone's facing right now, every battle that somebody's in, Lord, that the battle is yours. I pray for victory. I thank you for victory in every circumstance that you would place giants under their feet and under my feet, Father, and that the darkness would start to dispel and the light would start to shine. And I pray for a bright, bold hope to begin to shine in each heart, Father. And that as we walk in victory, Father, we will see our enemies defeated, that you will defeat them before our eyes, Father. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. There's one more prayer that I'm going to pray and that prayer is going to come up on the screen in a second. In a second, When that prayer comes up, I want you to read it with me. Jesus, today I invite you into my heart. Please forgive me of all my sin and give me a fresh start. Today I make it a decision to exchange my past for your future. I believe you died and rose again and I receive your promise of eternal life. From this day forward, I will follow you. Amen. Amen. Hey, great praying church. I pray you guys are doing well. Hang in there and have a great week. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this message. To stay in touch with Encounter, follow us on Instagram at encounter.cc.
or find us on Facebook at encounter.shepherd.